Welcome to another Restoration Church Live podcast. Uh, we are a little late. Here it is. Uh, Joey, say hello. Hello, beloved. It's uh, January the 10th. And uh, welcome to another year, 2023, ladies and gentlemen. 2023. Here we are in the year of our Lord, 2023. And we are going to start the year by thinking about 2022. Uh, but kind of 2023, too, because what we're doing is, is went back, Joey, when you and I used to do these things regularly. The back, most, in the day. back in the day, the most successful podcast uh, in terms of listenership was the favorite books of the year. So we are a little late, but here we are, January the 10th, uh, and we're going to offer some books to the folks. What categories or books are we going to talk about? We're going to look at four categories today, four categories. And before I give you those four categories, let me remind you why this podcast exists. <laughs> Restoration <laughs> Church Life podcast exists when it exists. Uh, to inform and inspire the community of Restoration Church as we go about the work of making disciples that delight in the supremacy of Christ right here in Washington, D.C. and beyond. So uh, what we hope to do with these books is, is that you'll read them, but not just read them alone. Hopefully you'll read them with somebody else, maybe two or three or four of you or ten of you can get together to read some of these and talk about them and pray together and then invite others into that. Um, or maybe you'll just read them on your own and be encouraged. But four categories. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're sharing. Christians should be readers. Most importantly, you should read the most important book, the Bible. But after that, uh, it's good to read good books, right? I agree. I like reading. I, I wish like I had more time. Yeah, amen. <laughs> okay, so uh, four categories of books. We're going to look at uh, sort of non-Christian books, you know, Christians that are not necessarily trying to form our hearts and minds for Christ. Uh, and then secondly, we'll think about devotional books. These are books that you might read just in a morning devotion of some sort. Third, we'll think about biographies. Um, and then fourth, we'll th or history. And then fourth, we'll think about Christian living, which is probably the book topic you probably think of the most. And this year's a little bit different because I solicited favorite books to the congregation. Reader suggestions from the audience. There you go. We've got back. And we're going to start with them. Okay. And then we'll work to ourselves. Is that good with you, Joey? Sounds good. Okay. So we're going to start off with a category of... Oh, and by the way, if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds interesting, I can't write it down. Listen, I will write it down in the show notes or it'll be on an email I sent out. Uh, either way, you'll see it somewhere so you don't have to write all this down. But you can. Here we go. First category, non-Christian, non-fiction books. We're starting with our brother, Joel Lee Wilson. He recommended, he recommended a few, but the one he recommended in this category, non-Christian, non-fiction, is How We Got to Now, mm. Six Innovations That Made the Modern World. So Joel said, this is an engrossing and deeply readable book about how six seemingly simple innovations are largely responsible for the modern conveniences we enjoy in everyday life. Sometimes we enjoy them too much. Uh -huh. But he, uh, he says, this is what Joel says, he says, the author also explores the, quote, adjacent possible how the invention of air conditioning, for example, made life in Dubai or Phoenix possible and how human civilization changed as a result. And so Joel says this is a fun read. When you look on the Amazon thing, it talks about how pendulum clocks helped trigger the Industrial Revolution and how clean water made it possible to manufacture computer chips. There we go. Are you intrigued? I am intrigued. Sounds quite some, uh, fascinating. How we got to now, six innovations that modern 
changed the modern world. Do you have any other books on the non-Christian? Not from reader suggestions. Not I have my own personal, but why don't you wanna you wanna wait on that? You wanna go? I don't go go give another one from okay. the audience. Okay, well that's the only one I have. Uh, Actually, okay. no, I'm gonna throw my own in this one in this okay. category. The books that I read, one of the books that I read that in the non-Christian category uh, was an audio book. It was for free, by the way. So your DC Public Library. And we, we agreed a few years ago that audiobooks count as reading. Yes, yes. Laura Ledone <laughs> would insist that yeah. they do. We just took a trip to Atlanta, and I listened to a book on the way there and back. It was wonderful. Yes. So, so anyway. Easy thing to do. It is. Anyway, so it does count as reading. It does count. It counts. It definitely counts. And uh, the, one of the books I read last year was, uh, was a book, non-Christian category, uh, was a book called uh, Where They Don't Know Your Name, <laughs> Where Nobody Knows Your Name by John Feinstein. And it's a book about uh, life in the minor leagues. It, tra it tracks a manager, uh, it tracks a manager, a player, and an ump a couple players and an umpire. And let me tell you something. After reading, I'm putting that in quotation, but it does count. After reading that book, listening to it, I was encouraged to not encourage my sons to pursue minor league baseball. Yeah. Now I did that for a year, and I could totally see what it's like, man, where nobody knows your name. It's a lonely uh, place but, yeah. and it's arduous. Very interesting. If you want to know about what it's life, life is like in minor leagues, where you're bouncing around towns, nobody knows your name. You never know where you're going to go next or if you have any future or if you have any money because they don't pay them that much. Where nobody knows your name by John Feinstein. Okay. There you go. So I have one book in this category and it is by Malcolm Gladwell, who hmm. some of you are probably familiar with, maybe all of you. So much, such uh, a good but writer. He wrote a book called Bomber Mafia. Oh, I've heard about this book. And it is essentially the story around the development of the bomb site in World War II. And a little bit of a spoiler, but you'll see that the Norden bomb site was developed by a man named Carl Norden. And his motivation for designing this was because he was a committed Christian and he thought developing a more precise bombsite would limit the um, civilian casualties in war. So it was quite fascinating. Did it both work? the No, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, but it was quite fascinating around the development and just knowing that his his worldview was such that being driven by a love for God. So it was fascinating. Huh. So I told a few of the pilots in our church about it. You should read this book. So fascinating. I've heard about that, but what's it called again? Bomber? Bomber Mafia yeah. by Malcolm Gladwell. And you'll understand why it's called Bomber Mafia once you read it. He's so. trying to help in yeah. some ways in so. history. Malcolm yeah. Gladwell is a fantastic writer. Yeah. This is a little bit different than his other books because it wasn't quite as sociological or anthropological. It was more kind of just Nonfiction kind of history, history. Yeah. 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 I heard good things about that book. All, All right. right. Next category. Switching categories. Now we're going to move to Christian fiction. I don't know, Joey. I think there we might only have one in this category. Uh, this comes oh. from our sister Megan Roberts. Uh, the Wing uh, the Wing Feather Saga. This is written by Andrew Peterson. Who I doubled down. I read all four of those last year. Did you? Uh, yeah, they're amazing. Anyway, you did. I did. I didn't know that. You didn't tell me that. Yeah. Did you like them? I, I, I've, I guess. Maybe I, it was probably the past two years that I read them, but read what Megan had to say. They're excellent. Megan said, I found it such a beautiful picture of the gospel and how Christ redeems us despite our failures. No mistake is too big for God. Yep, I agree. So it's, it is a, if you enjoyed some of C.S. Lewis writings like um, 
Narnia, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, those types of things, you'll enjoy Andrew Peterson's Wing Feather Saga as well. If you want to borrow some of those books, Joey, can they I borrow have them, them from you? In yeah, fact, you... I think one listener might still have my four, my book number four. Uh -oh. So, Is that me? Because <laughs> no. we have them in ours. So no. there's a couple people you can ask to borrow them. Yeah, I don't if you're that. looking just for imaginative stories that have the gospel underneath them, like you said, like Narnia, yeah. Andrew Peterson is just, he's a really neat guy. His yeah. music is a fantastic. Yeah, Wing Feather Saga. Okay. All right. That's it. That's the only one we have in that category. Next category. Next da, category. Da, da, da. We're going to go for, uh, to, to now to Christian living from our listeners, and Christian then we'll move into our, our, our living. own. Okay. So these are, just, these are just members of our church that okay. have written in. We're going to walk through a couple. You have one? You want to go ahead? I got two. Yep. All right, go ahead. So Daniel Bergener, uh, the book is God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel, How Truth Overwhelms a Life Built on Lies. Uh, by um, Kosti Hinn. Some people might know that last name. That's right, because he is the nephew of the prosperity teacher, uh, false teacher, Benny Hinn. Mm -hmm. And so growing up under that, Kosti comes to faith in Christ and writes a book to expose um, the weakness, shallow, false teaching of the prosperity gospel and how demonic it is. And so yes. Daniel was encouraged by that. Yeah, so if you're looking to uh, understand the prosperity gospel, uh, which is rampant in ways. And by the way, we have a lot of soft prosperity in America. There's a lot of more heavy-handed in on the continent of Africa and the like. That's a good book coming straight from the horse's mouth, as it were. All right, here's one coming from our sister Liz Moreno. Um, she offered this book, The Common Rule, Habits of Purpose for an Age of Distraction. The title intrigued me. Hmm. This book won all kinds of awards. So Christianity Today, Book of the Awards, some other things, Book of the Year thing. But here's a little write-up on it. Listen to this. All right, it says, The modern world is a machine of a thousand invisible habits, forming us into anxious, busy, depressed people. We yearn for the freedom and peace of the gospel, but remain addicted to technology, shackled by our screens, and exhausted by our routines. That rhymed. Hmm. Uh, the answer to our contemporary chaos to practice a life is to practice a rule of life that aligns with our habits to our beliefs. And so it, this is it's one of those books where we've heard some of this before. It's not just doing the spiritual disciplines, but it's creating habits. Joey, I'm sure you do this. I'm sure listeners, a lot of you, I just wake up and spend time in the Word and prayer because I've been doing it literally for 20 years. I, literally, I wouldn't know what it would be weird if I didn't do it. So I created this habit. And so this is a book that's trying to help you not just Yes. do it right is trying to help you understand how habits actually the formation of habits actually lead you into the true gospel freeing life they offer four daily habits four weekly habits and they provide some concrete doable practices such as for instance a daily hour of phoneless presence or a weekly conversation with a friend uh, some common but not ordinary stuff mm. so that's the common rule Habits of Purpose for an Age of Distraction. Uh, guys, if you've not read a book like that, I would encourage you to do that. I think we are being formed. You hear me say that a lot from the pulpit. And one of the ways we get formed by Christ is not just doing stuff, but having habits that are holy, holy habits. Along those lines, Hannah Roberts, one of the books she recommended was Ordinary, Sustainable Faith in a Radical Restless World by Michael Horton. Sounds very similar. Yeah. Uh, multiple authors writing about the same thing because it can be an issue for us. Yes. And so she said, this book convicted me and freed me. It caused me to have renewed appreciation for commonplace in the Christian life. 
And so we think we need to be radical to go do these, you know, crazy things or take these, these marvelous trips or this fantastic job, all which can be okay. But if you want to be radical and free, wake up, spend time with God, you know, orient your life around church, community, gospel. Those are the things, the ordinary means of grace to grow our love for Jesus. So Ordinary, Sustainable Faith in a Radical Restless World by Michael Horton. Yeah, if you think you have to do all these extraordinary things in order to grow in Christ, go read that book. It's going to help you see that God has ordained the means as well as the ends, and they're often otherwise ordinary things. So we are committed, as I said on our prayer gathering on New Year's Day, we are committed at this church to the ordinary means of God's grace to bring about His extraordinary means of grace. Okay. Moving into now our books. We've already mentioned one apiece, but uh, we're now going to move into you and I's favorite books. Okay. All right. Here we go. And I'm going to start with a devotional category. How about uh, it? A devotional category. The first book I'm going to recommend is this book called uh, Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness by Michael Card, another musician turned writer. Ah. Uh, Hesed. My, Hesed. H-E-S-E-D. Uh, now this book was recommended. Got in there if you want to say Hesed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So right in the back of the throat. Uh, so this book was has been long recommended to you and I by, by the Baptist monk. By the Baptist monk, our pastor of our mother church, Larry Trotter, who just transitioned. Did you know that? I, by I the didn't way? know that. Yeah, and guess who was there to hear his last sermon before he Sean Leong. Sean Leong. What are the <laughs> odds of that? Uh, so anyway, Hesed. And Larry Trotter, our old pastor, has been recommending this book for years. And, and man, I read it this year and it was fantastic. I read it devotionally. It's a regular book, but I just read a chapter a day and just thought about it. And what it does is many of you know that word hesed in the Bible is a very rich word that we can't really even have one word to describe. It's oftentimes translated loving kindness, uh, steadfast, steadfast love. love. So it's hard to get behind, and he basically takes this word and just shows you the heart of God in that word and how it's used in the Bible. He defines hesed like this. This will intrigue you. Hesed, he defines, is when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. Mm. When the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. And here's a little teaser right here from the book. He says, uh, the meaning, talking about the meaning, the meaning of the, of the word hesed, the meaning draws other words in an attempt to express the inexpressible. In the end, hesed is as much a world as a word. These other gravitational words help to define its boundaries and estimate the, the remarkable mass of its meaning. Let's go, let's, he says, let's let go of the illusion that hesed can be reduced to one English literal word and instead see it as a key that can open a door to entire world, mm. the world of God's own heart, the world of loving our neighbor and perhaps even our enemies. This book reminded me, Joey, of Gentle and Lowly mm. yeah, before Gentle like and Lowly was cool. Yeah. So if you liked Gentle and Lowly, even, even if you didn't, and if you just want a meditation on the heart of God in just one single word, Hesed, this is a great read. Get it. You can, you'll, you'll finish this uh, in morning devotionals in less than a month. It's a quick and easy read. Hesed uh, by Michael Card. All right. Yep. You got so, one? Uh, yeah, along those lines in terms of devotional, uh, this was recommended 
by Dave Brown, and he gave me a copy. Uh, I enjoyed it so much, I already gave a copy to someone else. Uh, but the devotional category recommended by me and Dave Brown and, and uh, is From Everlasting to Everlasting, Every Believer's Biography. So this is a 30-day devotional. The, the chapters are, you know, two to three pages. And essentially, it takes these, these gospel doctrines like predestination and justification and sanctification and glorification um, and writes a very sweet devotion on it. Yeah. And so we can often think about these things very heady, but he really aims at the heart and uh, with, with just a vibrant, refreshing, practical to help us behold Christ. So I used this, I don't know, maybe in October or November and accompanied it with Bible reading and it was just sweet and refreshing and it offers kind of prayers at the end and meditation. So um, everlasting to everlasting, every believer's biography by Will Dobby. Excellent. One more in the category of Christian devotionals that I read this year that I would commend is uh, called The Power and Sympathy of Christ. The, again, these books that we're sharing, Hesed, From Everlasting to Everlasting, The Power and Sympathy of Christ, you can get these tiny little books and just read a chapter a day for your morning devotions. And they're basically helping you get your heart hot for Jesus. And so this book is absolutely amazing. Matter of fact, I use this, some of you that are listening to this know, I just basically took what Ryle did and I just started using this to counsel and disciple people around me. All he does, J.C. Ryle, pastor uh, in the 19th century in England, all he does is, is he meditates on the words and the heart of Christ in John 11 when he's talking to Lazarus and to Lazarus' sisters after he died, you know, you know, uh, raises him from the dead. And he basically just meditates on the power and the sympathy of Christ. And man, it is gorgeous how he takes these, he just draws out this beautiful well of the power and sympathy of Christ. Just meditates. If you don't know how to meditate on the word, take this and just watch what he does and then go do it. I assigned this to a few folks in our church that were just sort of struggling struggling with some things. And I told them, not the book itself, I just told them, all right, what to do. go read a gospel and then just meditate. I want you to write out on a sentence or two the power and the sympathy of Christ in that passage you read this morning. Mm. And man, it was, I, I told you this, Joey. Yeah. It was fun just to sit there and listen to them tell me what they read when I would meet with them week to week. So the power and sympathy of Christ, if you want to know how to meditate on the word, uh, all those three books that I just we just recommended would be good ones. The Power and Sympathy of Christ by J.C. Ryle, Michael Cards Hesed, and From Everlasting to Everlasting by Will Dobe. Dobby, Dobie. Yeah, Dobie or Dobby. Okay, shifting categories. Got it, yep. Now we're going to move from uh, devotional. Now we're going to move to the category of biography. Do you have any biographies? You don't have a biography. I don't. Okay, you already gave your biography in the non-Christian yeah, yeah, category. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to give you one. So if you're looking for a, Christ, for a church history, I could give you a thousand. I'm going to give you one. This is a classic. Joey, you've read this, right? Hudson oh, Taylor's yeah. Spiritual Secret. Did you enjoy this? So much so. Jeff Doyle gave, me a, gave us a copy of that when we came here to plant the church. He sure did. Look at all these North Wake ties today. Yeah. So Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. So this is a dude living in the 19th century that decides he's going to go to China. Inland China, first Inland missionary China. to inland China, yes. mainland China. So not on, like not on the coasts. Mm -hmm. He's going to try to go in the 19th century and just and he's he's the first guy, right? I think I got this right. He's the first guy that starts like trying to contextualize 
Like he starts dressing, yes, he's like yes, an Englishman, yes. and he starts dressing like the inland Chinese people. Mm -hmm. He learns the language and he tries to share the gospel with people and see people get saved. Now, the cool thing about this book is it's, it's an interesting read just to see what happens, but honestly, that's probably not the reason to read it. It's interesting just to see what happens, but if you're looking, how do I learn to abide in Christ? How do I learn to abide in Christ? This dude, now he does something I wouldn't necessarily advocate, right? But he, you remember what he does? He decides like, I'm not gonna ask anybody for money, I'm just gonna pray. And it's amazing what happens. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, uh, George Mueller's book, uh, it's kind of the same vein. These guys know each other, I think. But like, there's one point where he intentionally, you remember this, he intentionally limits his income. Like I won't only take so many, and people would like give him money and he wouldn't take it because he wanted to force himself to live off a tiny little meager amount in England before he went to China so he would learn to abide in Christ. Uh, and so it tells the story of what happened and it also teaches you along the way how to abide in Christ. Here's a quote. Uh, from this that a person wrote, or here's what it says. This is, this is Hudson Taylor himself. He says, there is a need for us to give ourselves for the life of the world, as he gave his flesh for the feeding of the lifeless and living souls whose life can only be nourished by the same life-giving bread. Look at, here you go. An easygoing, non-self-denying life will never be one of power. Mm. He goes on to say, there are not two Christs. There's not an easygoing one for easygoing Christians and a suffering, a toiling one for exceptional believers. There's only one Christ. Are you willing to abide in him and thus to bear much fruit? Mm. That's in the book. His, his uh, son and daughter actually take his letters and stuff and put that book together. Mm. Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. I love to read a Christian biography every year. You should read one. It'll force you, biographies force you to get out of your own little tiny life and see the life of a faithful person. Hudson Taylor Spirit. Okay, last category. We're getting down to the end here. Christian living. Christian living. From our, we've already done this with our members. This is ours. And in here, we're going to get our favorite read of the year. Is that okay? Well, Joey's Go looking for at, Okay, yeah. for me, it was the Chavis. So, yeah. so maybe it wasn't your favorite read, but this yeah. is the Christian living category. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have two books uh, in this category. Uh, I'll do the the first one is called Social Sanity in an Insta World, uh, and it is written um, by uh, a few women: Jen Wilkin, Melissa Kruger, Laura Wiffler, uh, Ruth Chow Simmons, and some others. Um, and it talks about um, the dangers and some of the delights of social media. So particularly, it's written from women toward women. So I'm thinking about this because I have a wife, I've got two daughters, and half our church is women. I was gonna say, you, you pastor <laughs> women, yeah. So I, I try to regularly read books from the female perspective just because they're, they're gonna be helpful for me, but I thought this was particularly- I'm gonna offer one here in just yeah, a minute. I thought this was particularly helpful in um, understanding, like I said, both the dangers and the delights of social media. They're not going to go throw it all out, you know. Yeah. Just be, be careful. It's shaping you. You need to be thoughtful about how you engage, understand what it's doing to you, why you're using it, how you're using it, and so forth. And so I found it to be a, I was actually intrigued because I heard a, a, a podcast 
um, with a couple of the authors, and then I was so intrigued, I went and bought the book and read it and was glad that I did. Why do I feel so irritated after being on social media? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just spent way too much time scrolling Instagram. Yeah. Why is everyone on Facebook having more fun than I am? Should I delete all my accounts? Well, if you're asking those questions, social sanity in an Insta world. Yeah, so that was one of my Christian liberties. That was helpful. Excellent. What's one of yours? All right, so my this was my favorite read last year. Oh, okay. All right, it's my favorite read. So I was going to recommend Do You Pray by J.C. Ryle, which I would still recommend, but I'm afraid I'm giving too many books. So uh, if you, it's in the bookstall. I know a number of people that sold out of our bookstall pretty quick. I recommended it one Sunday yeah. evening. Uh, that's a fantastic book. If you want to be convicted and yet not bullied into prayer, uh, Do You Pray by J.C. Ryle. I think this book, sorry, I'm mixing categories. That's the book that matches to Hudson Taylor. So forgive me. D J Do You Pray by J.C. Ryle. I'm just going to stop there and let you go in because that was confusing. Okay. So Do You Pray by J.C. Ryle is a good Christian book. It's tiny, it's small, it's meditative, and uh, he helps you just pleasantly be convicted to pray. He go, we'll, we'll, we'll end this way. So I, I, yeah, my, I, know, I know, that's what I'm saying. Okay. I'm gonna set you up to okay. share, yes. Nathan, yeah. your favorite yes. read <laughs> of 2022. I screwed that up. That's all right, I'm gonna uh, set you up to, to okay. end well with yeah. clarity. Yes. Nathan's favorite read of 2022 happens to be a book in the Christian living category. Yes. And yes. that book is titled. Thank you, Joey. A Spacious Life, authored by Ashley Hales, subtitle, Trading Hustle and Hurry for the Goodness of Limits. Now here's, here's three the, books now in that kind of category. It is, yeah. it is. So here's, here's a fun thing about this book. Uh, you're not going to give that up, are you? Uh, yeah, you are. Come back to it. Okay. We got time. It's okay. We're sitting at 26 minutes. It's okay. Uh, so so um, this fun thing about this book, this is the first time ever in the history of favorite books of the year. This was also my wife's favorite read. Huh. So I read this on my own volition and then I read it, I was like, sweetheart, you've got to read this. And mm. she read it and my, I've heard my wife say that uh, she said, if I could write a book, this would be the book I would write. Mm. All right, so here's what she's doing. I'm just going to read this, okay? Uh, Spacious Life by Ashley Hales, Trading Hustle and Hurry for the Goodness of Limits. So this kind of is in the vein of what you were talking about with women. Uh, but she, this is Ashley. She says, I'm not alone. We imagine the shape of the good life as one with endless opportunities from which to choose. But under the heavy burden of having it all, women, particularly in their 30s to 50s, are feeling the weight. Ada Calhoun writes of this experiment in crafting a higher achieving, more fulfilled, more well-rounded version of the American woman, unquote. For women entering middle age, that, that quote, experiment has brought on higher debt and increased pressure with work and family life. Mm. Throw in fluctuating hormones in midlife and the result are more exhaustion, anxiety, depression, and sleeplessness. This is why Calhoun writes that by midlife, many of us, quote, find the experiment is largely a failure. Not only is the experiment a failure, but we believe our, we are too. We've failed by not meeting our ideals and we've also failed by being deeply unhappy. If we say the good life is a happy one and what makes a person happy is freedom and we define freedom as unlimited autonomy, mm -hmm. then our unlimited autonomy should create happy, contented people. But our unlimited autonomy isn't bringing happiness. It's producing stasis, exhaustion, and hurry. 
She quotes a guy by the name of David Brooks, uh, but then she, she finishes by saying, our freedom narrative in the West, quote, choosing your own destiny according to your own sense of autonomous freedom is leaving us at a sea of endless choice. We are lonely, exhausted, and unsure what success or joy looks like anymore. And she goes on to say, if you, if it kind of goes back to my um, uh, application from last week's sermon, it's embracing our limits, our God-given limits. Uh, and so she advocates that when we look into those limits, what might happen, she says, if we tried embracing our limits as gifts for our flourishing rather than barriers to our success. I think, she says, we'd find we were beginning to walk in the way of Jesus. Mm. And so, guys, I, if, if you're kind of, if, you, if you're hearing a lot of this kind of mental health stuff going on that are troubling and that sort of thing, can I encourage you to read one book that will be a counter narrative that will tell you instead of encouraging, like we hear everywhere, to throw off limits, can I encourage you to read one book that's going to advocate you put them on mm. and just see what you think. A Spacious Life by Ashley Hales. Fantastic read. My favorite 2022. There you go. Well, I will end with this because you told me I, had, I, was, I couldn't. So I read, uh, for those of you that read Gentle and Lowly uh, by Dane Ortland. he wrote a book after that called Deeper, Real Change for Real Sinners. And I commend it to you. It's a book on sanctification, but... The cover's really pretty, too. It is pretty. Uh, <laughs> so, But it's not the normal kind of sanctification you might think. And so here's just a, a few. We'll end with these quotes from, from Dane. This book is about growing in Christ. The first thing to get clear, then, is what Jesus Christ himself is like. It is growth in Christ. One common reason we fail to leave sin behind is that we have a domesticated view of Jesus. Mm. We have a domesticated view that for all its doctrinal precision has downsized the glory of Christ in our hearts. Mm, I'm compelled. And so he's going to make the case that the way that we change is by beholding Christ, the glory of Christ. So we use that language a lot, so he's going to help you tease it's it It's so good, yeah. So it's basically unpacking 2 Corinthians 3.18 yeah. is what the whole book is doing. But this book is about how we, cha how we change. Let me be plain. You will not change until you get straight who Jesus is, particularly with regard to his surprising tenderness. Mm. But then he goes on, and the very next chapter is called Despair. Mm. And he talks about you cannot feel the weight of your sinfulness strongly enough. And so we, I have found that Dane does two things really well, is that he gets the gentle lowliness of Christ, and also he doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat or minimize the weight of our sin, or the, the holiness of God, or the demand for justice and wrath, and brings them together in a beautiful way. And so this book brings about sanctification, talks about pain, talks about suffering, it talks about community and honesty and vulnerability. Um, and my, my favorite chapter in Gentle and Lowly was about him. There was the anger of God, which yeah, is, I mean, but he anger. kind of does that really well. He does well. So deeper, real change for real sinners, uh, highly committed to you. So. Yeah, well, that's a lot of books. Uh, again, you can find all of these books uh, listed in the show notes or in the email that I'll send out. Um, and uh, all of these books, by the way, uh, none of them are real wooden books. These are normally all of them, even the... Even the biographies, the devotionals, they're pretty easy reads and small reads. I mean, all these books I'm looking at are, 
you know, 200 pages or less. Yeah, I we think. have zero tomes. Most yeah. of them are probably 100, 150 pages. Yes, most of them 150, yeah. So um, if you don't like any of these books, well, listen, go find a good one. And, and then if you do, go, don't, don't just read it yourself. Go invite somebody else to read it with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you don't want to read these, then this will be a question I'll introduce to you. Go ask another member or a regular attender or a non-Christian to say, hey, I'm reading this book. How would you like to read it with me? Or say, hey, what books have you read that you've really been helped by? And then just talk about it. Okay? All right, we're done. That's it. Uh, thank God for you, Restoration Church. Uh, let's keep making disciples and reading good books, guys. Books, good books are the ways in which we can be, dis one way in which we can be discipled to make, to be made a disciple and to encourage others to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Christ. I thank God for you. See you soon.